This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 588, Comic Talk Spotlight on Avengers Solo Avengers Classic. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 588. It's our Comic Talk Spotlight on Avengers Solo Avengers Classic. Uh, just a bit of uh, background. So, uh, for tonight's episode, we were actually originally supposed to have. Um, an interview with Jim Kruger. Unfortunately, it did have to get postponed. These things happen with scheduling. I've had recent postponements with both Pete Woods and uh, Jim Kruger. It just means that episodes get jumbled around and, uh, you know, we end up having to find other things to um, end up taking the place of those mater- that material that would have happened. So I, I went into my basement and kind of looked around and said, you know, what trade paperback would I like to talk about today? Um, I'm not going to talk that long. I'm actually just preparing to leave... Uh, leave town to go on, and I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, I'm about to go to Washington and Baltimore for the weekend to watch some baseball, get to see the, actually I think we're seeing a bunch of games, we're seeing the Pirates play the Diamondbacks, we're seeing the Nationals play the Phillies, and we're watching the Baltimore Orioles take on the Seattle Mariners, so uh, a good weekend of baseball is ahead of me, uh, basically from Saturday to Monday. Um, So I'm going to talk about Avengers Solo Avengers Classic, so I didn't read any of these original issues when they first came out. Uh, the series started in 1987. Um, so I came to this way after the fact. In fact, I came to this in 2012 when they announced the Avengers Solo Avengers Classic Volume 1 uh, trade paperback collection. To date, it is the only vol- volume that's come out. And it's actually a very interesting smorgasbord of stories. Predominantly, uh, it would seem in this series, this uh, trade paperback collects the first 10 issues. I do apologize as well. I'm a little slurry at the moment. I'm still recovering from dental surgery, so I'm not quite as clear as I used to be, or I'm used to being, I should say. Um, So the Solo Avengers book basically was a Hawkeye book with other backups with other characters. Um, With a lot of different creators, and it's really interesting to go back and look at that now. Like When you look at, and we'll I'll come across it in a minute, but when you look at the list of writers who are featured throughout these 10 issues, you got Tom DeFalco, Roger Stern, Dennis Maloney, Dan Mishkin, Bob Layton, Jackson Geis, Mike W. Barr, J.M. DeMatteis, D.G. DG Chichester, and Margaret Clark. So some really good big names that you'll recognize and remember, and then a bunch that you probably wouldn't. And then penciling-wise, you have Mark Bright, Jim Lee, that's right, Jim Lee, uh, Kieran Dyer, Bob Paul, Ron Lim, Paul Ryan, John Ridgway, Tom Grinberg, Jackson Geis, Larry Alexander, June Bergman, and Lee Weeks. So that is... An interesting collection of of, um, of um, talent as well. The book was originally edited by Mark Grunwald, and um, yeah, no, I, I'm I, I like that. You know, in in and around this time, you obviously had the Avengers West Coast book. You had Avengers. So you had two major Avengers titles, and that was kind of it. Um, you had obviously Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man. Um, so this is Hawkeye being able to kind of have a bit, a bit more of a focus, but not solely as a Hawkeye book. Um, this is back when Hawkeye was married to uh, Mockingbird. And uh, even when the, you read the first story, it even says, at last, the most popular West Coast Avenger in his very own action-packed series. And that always felt like damning with faint praise because it's not like everyone loved the West Coast Avengers in terms of the characters. I mean, they loved the interplay, and it was a fun book. But you couldn't always say that they were you know, filled with the big guns of the Marvel Universe either. So the idea that he's the, the most popular West Coast Avenger isn't necessarily saying that much at the time. Um, in the first story... Again, there you have Tom DeFalco writing a fun story with Mark Bright on art. It's a lot more about 
um, kind of the origin of the, uh, well, not the origin here, but they're going to do the origin more. But, you, you know, you got to see uh, Hawkeye doing his own thing, and um, it's it's kind of fun. And the idea that you have him going up, you're going to get the origin of Hawkeye in this series. You have him going up against... Um, you know, um, the man who trade him, trick shot. So it's really cool. Uh, in the first issue of the backup, it's called Listen to the Mockingbird by Tom DeFalco, artwork by Jim Lee. And it is gorgeous looking Jim Lee. And this is early, right? This is 87. This is pretty early Jim Lee. And it's a fun little Mockingbird story. Uh, it's got a beautiful art. I mean, I'll be honest, the art's probably better than the story is. Um, but it's a, you know, an enjoyable, engaging story about Mockingbird kind of being on her own and really showing her being self, self-sufficient and being an amazing agent. And, um, yeah, no, it was really interesting to kind of see her side of a story, um, which is cool. In the second issue, you got Hawkeye and Captain Marvel. Uh, it's the making of a marksman. In this issue, you will gain insights into the amazing archer's past that you've never known before. Plus, the energy Avenger battles uh, Power Parasite. Uh, again, I'm really enjoying the Mark Bright artwork on the Tom DeFalco story, which is the, kind of the lead story. And here we get to see learn more of the original origin of Clint. And it's kind of cool, again, to see him, the, swords, uh, the swordman, sorry, swordsman, and kind of seeing what happened in his past to kind of help shape who Clint eventually becomes. Um, and I liked it. And you also got Barney in here. So, I mean, this is, you know, good times. And I like Trickshot not being quite what you expect from a you know big villain because he's kind of pudgy and <laughs> kind of big. and But he's, you know, he's, he's a master marksman. That's what matters. Uh, the backup, you have um, Captain Marvel, and this is actually written by the creator of the character, Roger Stern, with Kieran Dyer on art. And, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a fun little uh, story. You, you really get the feeling that, you know, Roger Stern likes writing this character, likes writing who Monica is, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a definitely an enjoyable one. Uh, I like the, you know, the shorter nature of the stories definitely make them have to uh, take chances or just do different types of stories. And I'm always interested to see how you're able to use the format to still tell an effective story when you don't have as much sort of space in terms of page count. Um, the third issue, you got Hawkeye and Moon Knight, the Ace Archer, Archer versus Batroc the Leaper, the Crescent Crusader versus Shroud, Master of Darkness. The Hawkeye stories by Tom DeFalco, with our work again by Mark Bright. And I actually really like Mark Bright's take on Hawkeye. It makes me realize how much I miss this version of Hawkeye, like the kind of classic, you know, very competent version of Hawkeye. I mean, as much as I like what, you know, people like Fraction did with Hawkeye, they've definitely reduced him to being kind of more of a jokey character. Like, he's good. He's, you know, he's still got a... He has style and he has accuracy and he's, you know, he's really good at what he does. But everyone kind of treats him like a joke, and he kind of treats himself like a joke. Like again, I love the Hawkeye book, but that's that's also not the Hawkeye I fell in love with. Like the Hawkeye I fell in love with, the one I first read was the one written by Kurt Busiek in Avengers, and then also Kurt Busiek and Fabian Nicieza writing Hawkeye over in Thunderbolts. That was the Hawkeye I fell in love with. And I remember when they first kind of brought him back when Jeff Johns and I want to say Scott Collins wrote him. I was like, this isn't quite the Hawkeye I fell in love with. He's a little bit more of a braggart. Um, but wasn't quite what I fell in love with. And then ever since, he's, he's again, become a little bit more jokey and silly, um, and he's not, you know, the man he used to be. And it's kind of nice and refreshing to go back to a book like this and see a version of Clint which who had it much more together and was, you know, just kind of a more solid 
protagonist and not quite as hapless as he would later become. Um, and yeah, there, and again, I like that the you know the continuing thread through these issues is his Hawkeye story. So it's basically a Hawkeye ongoing, but they didn't want to commit all their resources to it. So they thought they put in some other characters too. Although even then, the characters they decide to in- include aren't necessarily you know aren't necessarily going to you know burn up the charts either. You got you know what I say, uh, Mockingbird, uh, Captain Marvel, and you got Moon Knight. Those aren't exactly the most popular characters. Roger Stern is the Moon Knight story with Bob Hall on art, and uh, specifically the story takes place before events shown in West Coast Avengers 29. I can't remember how that is significant. Um, and I actually really like the art on this. This is, you know, this is an old school Moon Knight story. This is before Moon Knight became what we know of him now, uh, where everything is kind of played very trippy, uh, kind of, and, you know, the stories are written in a different way. The art's definitely done in a different style. This is kind of the more classic Moon Knight. And, um, yeah, I, I like kind of seeing the confrontation and how him and the Shroud kind of come to blows and how that kind of works. And um, I, I actually dug it quite a lot. Um, issue four, you got Hawkeye and the Black Knight, weaponless against the Wild Pack, and plus the Rage of the Last Knight. Um, once again, Tom DeFalco, but now this time instead of Mark Bright, you have Ron Lim. And I, I, I like the look of the old school um, Wild Pack characters back from when the kind of friends designed them, uh, which kind of carries over with how uh, Lim illustrates uh, the Wild Pack here. Um, Silver Sable doesn't quite have the same style. No, she does. I was going to say for a minute, it didn't quite look like Ron Friends' version of Silver Sable. No, she does. Um, it's it's funny. I mean, I started reading comics in the '90s, but my first interaction with Silver Sable was. Um, in a Marvel Tales reprint of an 80s story by DeFalco and, and Friends. So that's just the one that kind of sticks out to me. So that's always my Silver Sable, the one I like. Um, the short hair, um, you know, just not who she would become later. And um, it's really cool kind of seeing what Clint is like here. And again, he's trying to escape and trying to do what he can to take out the wild pack. And, you know, he's a dangerous guy. And, uh, this series never kind of lets up on showing that he's an extremely capable hero. Um, you know, trying to do what he can and then ends up, you know, being taken down by, uh, by trick shot. Um, and definitely a, a great kind of climactic page of Hawkeye on the ground, trick shot in front of him and an arrow sticking out of Hawkeye's chest. It's definitely an intimidating and scary ending. Uh, then the backup, you got Black Knight, Knights Errant, um, and you have uh, Black Knight with Roger Stern writing it and Paul Ryan on art. I always like uh, Black Knight, and especially the Roger Stern version of it, and it's kind of interesting to see him here. Um, also interesting to see what happens to Doc Druid here, which makes it look like Doc Druid gets no respect whatsoever. Um, but it's a cool, a cool idea. I'm not going to spoil much else, but uh, it's a cool fight sequence that we end up getting. Um, Hawkeye, sorry, Soul Avenger starring Hawkeye and the Scarlet Witch in issue number five. We've got Death Stalks and Avenger, and it's Heads You Lose, Hawk, the Triumph of Trickshot. Um, I like it because it starts with Clint waking up. Suddenly he's on hot ground. He realizes he's basically on like a beach. All his clothes are gone. He's except for like shorts. And the last thing he remembers is he was in Paris. Now he's suddenly here. Tom DeFalco and Mark Bright um, rejoins him. And again, we get to see more of Hawkeye being self-sufficient, you know, figuring things out, uh, trying to take a uh, trick shot while on this island and kind of bereft of any real assets except for, uh, you know, a quiver and a bow, 
um, which I, I kind of, again, I like something that kind of strips the character down um, and seeing how they fight each other. Um, and again, the trick shot has obviously has the upper hand, but you know, Clint's not going to let it go that way. And, um, and it turns out that, you know, it's, Trishot wants to die, he has cancer, but he wants to go out, you know, as a, as a competitor. And, um, you know, Clint won't, won't kill him, but he's like, you know, we'll find a way. We'll, I'll do whatever I can to help. I'll do that much. And it's kind of a nice ending. It's, it's different. Um, it's not your kind of cookie cutter ending to a, a comic. And I like that. Um, the Strict Charlotte Witch story is by Dennis Maloney with artwork by John Ridgway. And um, it's interesting. I'm just trying to read it and like I'm trying to remember because I've read it recently, uh, just like a, a couple of days ago. But um, kind of a weird take on the character. Um, the art I do like. I think the art is very evocative and very kind of of its era, but uh, definitely trying to evoke you know a kind of a dark dark hermit uh, magical sense. Um, the story itself you know, is, is, is okay. It's not my favorite uh, version. I think they've done this better. Although I do like that you have, um, you know, vision in his casual gear, um, you know, just kind of cause he's, you know, living in the suburbs, I guess. And it kind of reminds me of how cold he looked, um, in the recent Venom book by Tom, sorry, Venom vision book by Tom King. Um, here he, there's a little bit more of a warmth to him. Um, even though in, kind of looks strange uh issue number six you got hawkeye and the falcon sandman the peregrine hawkeye falcon and the red skull two which and it starts off pretty exciting you know you got uh you know arrows flying and um you know here comes here comes hawkeye and uh he's he's you know He's he's here to he's here to step in and, and and get some stuff done, and he's working with Silver Sable, which again is kind of cool to see him working with her. Um, and uh, they're going to go after you know the imposter Red Skull, and uh, you know he's being integrated into this into this mission. Um, I like this kind of idea with continuity where we get to see characters like the Red Skull too, which you know doesn't really get mentioned ever. Uh, like the Sandman's here. Because uh, he was working with uh, Silver Sable at the time, it, it's really kind of fun. It's it's fun times. I like seeing Hawkeye working with other characters, um, and again, it's a nice kind of fun done one after having an ongoing storyline that was going throughout many different issues. It's just kind of nice to have some of those a little simpler. Uh, then the backup um, has, is about Hawkeye. Sorry, uh, Falcon. It's by Tom Grimberg doing the art and Dan Mishkin uh, doing their story. And it's all about, you know, it starts off with, like, you know, the Avengers Mansion being gone. Um, it's kind of a, it's a weirder story, but it's kind of nice to have Sam get a bit of a, a focus. Uh, he gets his own story. Um, gets to team up with Red Wing, go up against some, some monsters. It's it's fun. Uh, issue 7, you got Hawkeye and the Black Widow. Uh, Hawkeye's story is called Hijacked, um, where when he's in Paris, France. Our work again by Mark Bright. It's written by Tom DeFalco, so they're the you know the the regular team. I like how DeFalco continues to use uh, Silver Sable because uh, obviously it's his creation. I like how the characters kind of work together, although at times they don't really work together all that well at all. I like Sandman being used as a hero here. Um, you know, kind of getting used to being a hero and, and doing the right thing and working for uh, Sable and. Um, Oh yeah, no, this is this is great, and uh, it's a lot of fun, and 
Yeah, no, it, it's it's. I honestly like the best part of this book. Obviously, is the main story, um, the main story with Hawkeye, because you get a lot of good characterization with Hawkeye. You get a sense of who this character is. I love the parts of Silver Sable because she's a fully realized character, and you know she's kind of an interesting character to kind of throw into the um, uh, the atmosphere of Hawkeye because they they definitely come from different worlds and different worldviews and how they operate. Uh, the backup heroes with Black Widow. Uh, this is written by Bob Layton, who does plot scripts and inks, and Jackson Geist does the plot and pencils. Um, so it's interesting uh, division of labor there. The thing that really doesn't work for me is Black Widow's terrible 80s haircut or whatever this is supposed to be, the styling she has in. Um, the art itself was good for the most part, but there's a few things that, that just felt like an odd choice. Like, again, you have the opening shot of Black Widow's kind of, you know, exercising, um, I guess basically doing yoga and she's relaxing and for her and she's on one arm, which is cool. And she's doing like this pose, but again, her hair looks ridiculous. And in the next page you have her kind of slowly zipping up her, um, the gray bodysuit, uh, black widow costume. And that just kind of looks like a weird shot. Um, the art kind of a little hidden miss. Um, like when you have black widow, is she like, it looks like basically she's, and I don't know if they really show how she's, or if they explain in the dialogue how she's sticking to a building, but she sticks to a building. Oh, yes. She has the tiny suction devices in her boots and gloves to clean to the inside of a garage door. So I guess that explains how she can do things. Um, I like that it kind of shows who the character is, what she can do, how dangerous she is. Um, but some of the stuff doesn't, I don't think, works as well. Um, I like the idea that it kind of plays up her, her abilities as a ballet dancer. Um, it's 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 just it's it's not the best Black Widow story, but I guess for the time period, it's, it could have been a lot worse. Um, next, you have Hawkeye and Doctor Pym, uh, the battling Bowman versus Blind Justice, plus Doctor Pym and his deadliest nemesis. So the main story it's written by Tom DeFalco again. I I love it when they make fun or or play with the. Um, um, the credits. So here it's written by Tom DeFaco, who needs the money. Penciled by Mark Bright, who needs the exposure. Inked by Jose Marzan Jr., who needs the experience. Lettered by Jack Morelli, who needs the work. Colored by Janet Jackson, who needs the practice. Uh, edited by Mark Runnell, who needs a new creative team. And read by you, who has nothing better to do. I like that. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, Hawkeye's been gone. He's been doing stuff and uh um mockingbird is not so happy when he comes back she's pretty pissed off and calls him a lot of different things and but uh you know they kind of work start to work through some of their uh their problems here and there's a kind of a team up between the two of them they work together and um again it's it's nice to see this relationship written well because i think in the main book at often uh, we didn't quite get to see that. Um, we got we got to see them having squabbles a lot, and they weren't always happy. And so seeing them, you know, obviously there is some momentary um, issue at the beginning of this uh, issue in terms of how they feel about each other. But uh, then it definitely gets better later. Uh, then the backup is Dr. Pym, uh, written by Mike W. Barr, artwork by Larry Alexander. Um starts off ridiculously because you have like a, a weird kind of bug-shaped um, uh, craft in the air and then Hank Pym has these two giant instead of just having like a ladder or something you know normal he has these two giant cables that he's kind of riding down and they almost have like Dr. Octopus um, tentacles that are kind of on the on the feet it's just a weird design um, 
but yeah, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting version of Hank Pym because it's during a period where he is uh, you know not a superhero. He's just wearing kind of his red kind of jumpsuit. He's helping out with tech for the uh, West Coast Avengers or Avengers West Coast, whatever they're called at this point. Um, doesn't have much of an identity. I didn't super love the story. Uh, the ninth issue, so the second last issue in this volume, it's another uh, another Hawkeye story. And we have more fun credits. We have uh, Tom DeFalco, the Sultan of Scripting, Mark Bright, the, the Prince of Pencils, Jose Marzin Jr., the Emperor of Embellishing, Morelli, the Lord of Letters, Jackson, the Countess of Colors, and Mark Grunwald, the Babysitter of Bozos. Um, a lot of fun there. And again, a very solid um, Hawkeye story. It, the art by Bright is so good. Like I just I really enjoy his take on the character. It's really fresh and fun. Um, and again, the stories are very like very enjoyable by DeFalco, and they're very you know they're other time and they move fast. They're fast paced. They're you know they're just quick hits and they're enjoyable. Uh, you have the backup here is uh, with Hellcat. I don't know if I actually said that Hawkeye and Hellcat, Mad Dogs and Mystery Men. Uh, so it's memoirs written by J.M. DeMatteis and June Brigman, and this is definitely one of the highlights in the collection because it's just a really interesting kind of story about uh, Hellcat and uh, seeing how uh, she's written by DeMatteis. It's definitely a lot more, you know, of an introspective issue. I like the art. I like what it says about the character and what it's kind of pushing her through, so I like that. And the last issue is kind of a weird one to go out on. you got the Hawkeye and Dr. Druid. Hawk rocks L.A. as the occult Avenger battles the magic beneath Manhattan. So the main story is uh, Tom DeFalgo, a writer without peer, Mark Bright, the penciler of the year, Jose Mar- Marzan, an anchor you should cheer, Morelli, letters clear, Jackson, colors without fear, Mark Grunwald, an editor who wants a new career, and lucky you get to sit and jeer. Uh, and this issue introducing the most unlikely hero of all, Seymour, the all-seeing astrologer. Um... <laughs> It's so so goofy, but again, this is a fun 80s comic uh, with some great action with Hawkeye. Uh, the backup here is, as I said, with Dr. Druid. Uh, the creative team, I'm trying to remember, who was the creative team on this issue? I'm actually not sure where they, uh, where they even put the credits uh, as I flip through this. Uh, who did this issue? I'll find it here somewhere. Here we go. Uh, DG Chichester, Margaret Clark are the writers, and Lee Weeks is the artist. And I like the art and even the story. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of, of, uh, of Dr. Drew, but I think it was an opportunity to do something different with a character that no one really cared that much about, to be honest, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, in this um, collection, you also have a single file, which I don't know what where this exactly originally came from, but it's I guess it's a long thing from... Uh, Mark Runewald. I guess it was maybe in a couple different issues of of him um, doing, you know, not a letters page, but just kind of giving a um, a diatribe, basically. And I guess with most issues, it looks like there was Mark's remarks, um, where I guess he would write some things. I actually don't remember having read these, or it's been a while, but it looks like you know every issue he kind of have uh, a little bit of a snowbox to kind of mention some things, and I kind of like that. Um, and then you also have a solo vendor subscription ad, which is fun. Uh, Are you aiming high? It's Hawkeye kind of aiming at um, an arrow at uh, Mockingbird as she's next to a tree. Are you aiming high? Sure am, by saving two seventy five in every Marvel title. You can get a 14-issue subscription for only eight twenty five. 
That's 59 cents per copy versus 75 cents on the newsstand. Hey, you can't miss with savings like that. And he nails a issue of Solo Avengers. As a kid, I always wanted to get a, a subscription to a comic book, but it, uh, it was always so much so much more expensive than it was saying because you had to convert it to Canadian and you had to add on a premium, which was like an extra 10 bucks or something. So it just never quite made sense, but it was always something I wish that I could have done as a kid. Uh, as an adult, I just don't you know really care, and I think I'd be more worried about the comic getting to be intact. But there's just something always that sounds so cool about having a Marvel comic subscription. Very interesting, uh, cool thing as a kid that always kind of alluded. Anyways, uh, that is my episode for today. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.